Hello, and welcome to Inclusionomics, a podcast that provides tools to all women who are challenged with finding or having access to positions of power. We help you navigate the path to being seen, being heard, and being included. Everyone is welcome here. It is an inclusion podcast after all, and we hope that you're here for all of that. Today's topic is, you should have taken a sick day. And your hosts are Stacey Gordon, that's me, Elay Thatch, and Lisa Gates. How many days do you find yourself at work, tired, overworked, and feeling burned out? There's a reason that sick days are sometimes called mental health days, because for your own sense of well-being, you need to take some time off to be your best self. But that isn't always possible. Or is it? We're in a culture of overwork where people are applauded for working many hours, and those who only want to work eight hours are considered lazy. So how do we change this culture? I know that, uh, Thiele, you were going to kick us off with um, the federal rules about time off. Yeah, I love compliance and law and policy. So the first thing I want to say is that federal law does not require sick leave. So contrary to a lot of employees and employers' beliefs, uh, federal law does not mandate that a sick leave has to be given to employees. The state laws typically dictate whether an employee should have sick leave and how much and for what reasons and whether those uh, sick days should be paid or unpaid. And currently, you can look it up. California is one of them. But there are approximately 10 states that mandate that you must give employees sick leave. And this is a hot topic because so many times you're dealing with issues that you need to take a sick day or leave of absence. And uh, it really affects the workplace. In fact, um, there's a report from the CDC that says productivity losses related to personal and family health problems cost U.S. employers $1,685 per employee per year, which totals to $225.8 billion annually. So people being out or being sick, uh, in my opinion, is better to take a few sick days than lots and lots of leaves of absences that can total billions annually. So what do you guys think about that? For sure. I think too, like I love mental health days. So I always, I rarely get sick. I'm actually sick right now, which is pretty rare for me. But I use my sick days because I will take a mental health day because there are days where I am on all the time and cumulatively I get to a point where I cannot do it anymore. And so I will take a day where it's like, you know what? I don't want to talk to you. I do not want to be customer facing. I'm not putting on my happy face. I want to lay in bed and watch Netflix and put on my comfy socks and be left alone. And you need that to recharge because then I can go back the next day and be energized and be my best self and do all the great work that I normally do. But when I don't do that, then I do get sick, you know, and that's why I'm sick right now because I went and went and went and went for too long. I I overdid it. But isn't that what your weekend is for? Well, Well, you know, that's what your employer might say. You work through the weekend. What do you do when you work? Your, your, your boss says, you know, we've got to finish this project. <clears throat> and it's a Friday at five o'clock. 
and it's due on Monday. What do you do, Stacey, when that happens? I think what you need to, so what, there's the, what should you do, right? The, the Pollyanna, like how life should work. And then there's the, what we end up actually doing, right? So the, the Pollyanna to that is, okay, I work the weekend. So I come in on Monday and, <clears throat> excuse me, I do this, this project. And so then I ask my manager for Tuesday and Wednesday off because I worked two days um, over the weekend. Now, in real terms, are we actually going to get that? No, but that's where you do either call in sick one day that week or you tell your manager in advance, you know what, I'm going to need to take a day this week uh, because I was working over the weekend and there's, and there's some things I need to get caught up on personally. And I think that's allowable. That's definitely doable. Right. right. I think that's where Lisa, that's where your expertise comes in in terms of negotiating is how employees need to negotiate daily their, their expectations of their job and when they need to be out, when they need to be, you know, sick or take a leave. And how does that, you know, how does that not affect you negatively? Because although they may say yes, there still may be this uh, stigma or this belief that you're lazy, you always take out, you're not committed. So how do you deal with that if you're legitimately sick? And then there's, you know, I recently had a client that I dealt with. Um, we were dealing with someone who had a terminal illness. And because of the terminal illness, they were sick a lot. But unfortunately, the employer was starting to get impatient with that person. So there's such a fine line. I mean, employers want to show compassion and they want to make sure they have the time to care for themselves. But then the business still has to run. Um, the, the employee wants to come back because they don't want to be sick. They don't want to be, you know, in the hospital. So, I mean, what are your thoughts about that? And I know my thought is, you know, sometimes you can't control those things, but you need to make sure that you're healthy. You need to, the bottom line is your health is worth more than any job. And not from a rules-based perspective, but if that I was, if I were working with that person, I would rally everyone together to pick up the slack and let that person maintain their dignity, have their job, do what they can do, and it would be the humane approach. That's my Pollyanna answer, and it would it would be a reality answer if that were you know if I were in a, a job right now working with someone with a terminal illness. It's just I, yeah, I think that's a great answer. And I think a terminal illness, though, like let, so again, I'm gonna bring this back to reality. A terminal illness, not that that's not a that's not an everyday occurrence, right? Right. Normally the everyday occurrence is we're talking to the person who is, you know, you've got your hourly workers and then you've got your, your managers, right? So your hourly workers, you know, are probably listening to this right now saying, look, I have to clock in and I have to clock out. And if I don't clock in, I don't get paid. So if exactly. I'm sick, <clears throat> I'm coming in. That's just how that's going to be. And they might have, you know, last episode, we talked a little bit about things that go on in our head. And I think it's the same thing here. There might be a perception that I'm going to get fired if I don't come into work. And that might be a perception or it might be reality. So for every person, 
um, I think what they need to be able to do is have a good relationship with their manager. And I get it. Not everyone has a good relationship with their manager, but this is where we probably, we need to start. So <clears throat> when you think about inclusionomics, right? The idea of this podcast and I, the idea, the concept of inclusion is that when you include people, they are going to come into work and be their best selves and do their best. Most people come to work because they actually want to first get a paycheck and two, they want to do good work. Most people don't want to come to work and just slack off and be a bum, right? right. That's not what people really want to do. So I think that we have to remember that as a manager looking at our employees and remember that, hey, if every employee did not show up to work today, what would I have? I'd have an empty building. <laughs> and so we have got to be better about uh, putting value on the employees who come into work and who are the ones that actually get the products out, that deal with the customers and that make us money. Because at the end of the day, that's who those people are. And um, so I, I think that that is, is a big part of that inclusion piece is making sure that people feel comfortable coming to work and being able to say, I don't feel well and being trusted that that's the case. You know, these companies where they make you come in with three doctor's notes and, and, and you know, and signatures and all of this, it, it means you don't trust your employees. And they know it, they feel it, and so they continue to find ways around it, and then you continue to have this culture of distrust. Yeah, I think that's the bottom line is this level of trust. And if you don't trust your employee, then now you're talking about performance issues um, and being able to define what those performance issues are. So if I'm calling out sick and then you just instantly believe that I'm trying to steal time, um, what does what pattern of performance have I had to make you believe that I'm trying to steal time from the company uh, by, you know, I'm going to go to the beach on my sick day? And truthfully, what does it matter if I go to the beach on my sick day if that's, you know, time that I need? Um, you know, what what culture is prevalent there? You know, that's all I'm saying. Or what level of trust? So maybe I'm sick and maybe, yeah, I do go to the beach on my sick day because that's what I need to get unsick. I need some vitamin, sun, some sun, some relaxation, some medicine, whatever. I'm just, you know, that's a really exaggerated example. But what difference does it make if I have the sick day and I need that time or the personal day too, but we're talking about sick days. So how do you manage that? that thing, I believe that's the purpose of the podcast is how do you deal with that when you feel like you, even when you're legitimately sick, you feel like your job is in jeopardy when you try to take time off, whether you have a minor illness or a terminal illness? So where does that stem from? Is it just our American culture that says work till you drop? You know, I think, you know, there's a distinction too. the law that you mentioned is about paid sick leave, right? Mandating mm -hmm. paid sick leave. Right. There's um, I wonder if that trickles down to, you know, employers of a certain size. So think about, you know, a restaurant with, say, 30 employees, right? Um, and somebody's sick. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing that 
I'm really guessing here, but that law might not trickle down to that kind of a business. So California is 26 or more employees. So, but yeah, different situations, it does depend on the size. And yeah, it definitely can affect the entire business if somebody calls out sick or they're accumulating a lot of sick time that's paid and it can get expensive. So for those the companies that say don't have a sick leave, a paid sick leave policy and you're, you know, to, like I said, a restaurant, small restaurant. So we're talking about it, the, the, the onus really falls on the employee. It would be great if the managers were great, but let's say they're not, the employee has to, to work to generate that relationship. So let's talk about that small restaurant and they don't have uh, a paid sick leave policy in that restaurant and you're sick or your children are sick. Um, you're, the culture, we're really talking about a culture, the, the restaurant culture and what goes on there and what, what, are, the, what are the rules to live by. Um, there might be a policy of, you know, replace yourself, find somebody to replace yourself. But if there's not, you know, some people are just deathly afraid of asking, asking for anything. So they show up sick and, you know, here here we are, we drive up the cost. Um, So, you know, I I just. I'm just saying that's a great point where you're, I hear where you're going with that. And so what I'm hearing is, and what I often encourage, employers have to create that culture, that environment that allows people to be sick. And so one of the things I did a lot was make sure they were aware of the employee assistance program. And so it's preventive thinking employers need to think about how do we prevent people from taking long term sick days or, you know, leaves of the absences, excuse me, leaves of absences. So that's a great point. What I would recommend is employers put together preventive measures like employee assistance programs and other programs and uh, maybe even events, health and wellness events that show employees that we do care that you're well, we do care that you're healthy. So you can create an environment that when people get sick or need to take a mental health day or uh, you know, a day because they have the flu, that they don't have that fear. And that also uh, speaks to workers' comp, leaves of absences, family medical leaves, all of that. Um, you want to use that as a benefit to say, look at us. We are giving you uh, extra benefits, extra perks, <laughs> because like I started the conversation, the federal law does not require sick leave. It is not a benefit. But if we could flip the conversation around and say, we care about you, we care about your health, and hey, if you if you get sick, we're going to prepare a policy or prepare an environment where you can take off without being completely stressed out. We'll have someone who could take your, you know, take your place. We'll have job sharing. We'll have a tip come in, for, <clears throat> a tip come in for six weeks. Whatever, you know, just right that. And I can guarantee you, you'll have more productive employees. Right. Well, and I think, so we've gone down a path, you know, that is, that's great for the employer, right? They need to do that. But we probably have a lot of people on this call who are much more um, on the the worker side, right? And they're saying, well, 
the reason this whole topic of you should have taken a sick day, some of that comes what we were thinking about in the beginning was the idea that if you don't take a sick day, <clears throat> you do end up being that angry black woman at work because you're tired and you have less bandwidth to, to keep up that veneer of the happy employee at work. And so it is actually detrimental to your career if you don't take care of, of your mental health because you have to come in every day being this you know, top-notch worker, doing really great work, and you can't keep that up 24-7. Like we said, we're in this, um, this place where, <clears throat> where everyone has to show that they're working hard and working all these extra hours in order to be considered a viable employee. And so it's up to, it's up to everyone, managers, employees, everyone to change that culture so that we can have work from home policies. It, it is okay to have flexible work arrangements to, you know, work from home half the day or go home half the day sick. If you're not feeling that well, to be able to leave early for, you know, life, doctor's appointment, kids' graduation, right? Yeah. When I thought about this topic, Stacey, I thought about the strategic side of taking a sick day, to be honest. So I'm not, as people probably figured out, I'm not a typical HR person, but I've definitely, when I've had employees come into my office, just uh, very upset or anxious because of things going on in their job and they, you know, they've been working a lot of hours, I've encouraged them to take a day off just to get their like you said, their mental health break. And one of my favorite expressions is, you know, put your oxygen mask on before you can help someone else. And that's what you're describing. Like, how can you calm your brain? You, sometimes you just need to calm your mind. A lot of times the sicknesses you're having, the sore throats, the flus, they're coming from stress. Let's just keep it real. Everything we're talking about is hard as, a, as Americans. Somehow we, this topic is weird. But we are dying from stress-related illnesses every day. And where are we getting the stress? From work. Well, and then what we're doing is we're coming to work and we're self-medicating to manage the yeah. stress. And, oh, let's talk about that. We're talking about this. Well, right. Yeah. I mean, I've, I, I know a couple of organizations just from working with a wide variety of clients from different well-known companies where there is, a, there is policy um, around, let, let's say, remote work and taking time off, you know, sort of unstructured time off, <clears throat> um, that, that it's all in the rule books as part of the benefits package. There's a wellness program, there's yoga on site, there's food, there's everything, and they're working 24-7 anyway. And it's like the Japanese Kiroshi, right, which is... Um, translated means overwork death. So it's not just Americans. It's becoming sort of a worldwide phenomenon. Um, overwork, it's called occupational sudden mortality. And the major medical causes of Kiroshi death are heart, or top, heart attack and stroke due to stress and starvation diet. Wow. So maybe we're not going that far here, who knows, but I've heard people talk about not even drinking water so they don't have to go to the bathroom during the day. I've talked about how toxic that is yeah. for health. Yeah. 
even where there is policy where we're seeing this cuckoo crazy get ahead make a dollar thing killing people well and, and i think so this is creating you know addictive behaviors right and I, so I would say for anyone who's listening who has the ability to affect change within their organization, um, this is a good time to, to really think about this because you might think your employees are doing well, there are no issues, but do you really know that? Have you asked? Right? Do you, do you really understand what's going on within your organization? Are your employees self-medicating? Are they coming to work drunk or high just to get through the day? Yeah. And um, you need to think about that. So <clears throat> this is the ability to um, to change a little bit the, the way, like loosen up. Like we really have got to loosen up and let people do their jobs in the way that they know how to do their job. If you hired them to do the job, let them do it and stop micromanaging them to death. In um, an industry that will very likely never get this is the film and TV industry, which someone very close to me worked in for many years. And in order to do his technical job, his very physical, physically demanding job, uh, would drink two five-hour energy drinks a day, maybe three, and then to come down alcohol. On top of that, a six-pack of beer, a bottle of something. Um, and the industry is known for working, you know, 12, 14, 16-hour days, very common. And there was a producer who decided no longer is that going to be the standard. We're going to work eight, eight-hour days, 10 hours max. And um, that's one, one producer out of, you know, gazillions so, you know, we've got this in, in so many different corners. It's just this expectation of overwork. So. Yes. And, and, and pressure that is unrealistic. And because of that, it creates other health issues. And I spent a lot of my career in HR putting people through rehabilitation programs, drug rehabilitation programs, and managing extended leaves that last almost two years because they had mental breakdowns, physical breakdowns. And a lot of Body times it was breaking. Yeah. And a lot of times it was exhaustion and just, you know, overwhelming stress. And so my thing that I just want to make sure our listeners hear today is I know we're talking about the employer and the employee. We've been kind of going back and forth. But you know, taking responsibility for yourself. Is that how you're working and then you're you know you wonder why you're not moving forward in your career you're wondering why you're not getting ahead but what take a take a step back what do you look like from the outside are you just running on e running on energy bars at work i mean it's not that you think you're being productive but you're not because you won't slow down to to take care of yourself and maybe you're not sick in the terms of like you're dying on the floor, you know, fell out and died. <laughs> but you may need to just take a break, take a day. If you have a personal day, you take that first. You know, HR is going to tell you that. But if you have a sick day, take a sick day. You should have took a sick day before you went crazy in the workplace or before you fell out and fainted. I've had employees just fall out 
and faint. And I am not exaggerating. They just fell out, disrupted the whole place, dress over their head. You know what I'm saying? Right. And I will say this, for those of you hoarding sick days and vacation days, because for me, vacation day, sick day, whatever day, if you have days off, use them. Those of you that are hoarding them, why? Yeah. Why are you hoarding, hoarding those days? What are you going to do? They're not going to pay you out all those days when you leave. They're not. Use them. I don't know what you're hoarding them for. And if you think that when you're gone, someone's going to replace you, you're not going to be seen as, as valuable. That's not the case. People are probably happy that you're gone for a little bit to get some, some rest and relaxation. And oh, sorry. no, go ahead. I just want to say, I cannot count how many conversations I've had when a, a person, most likely a woman, comes into my office and they believe that they are eligible for a promotion because guess what? I don't even take sick days. I haven't taken a day off in five years. I haven't taken a day off in 10 years. Like this is going to get them the next promotion because they've shown because they've worked for 10 years straight, have no life, have no, they've sacrificed. And, and I dare to say a lot of them have said to me, I've never gotten married because I want to, you know, I'm like, I don't know if you're putting us 20 years backwards or <laughs> that you think that you're more eligible for a promotion because you chose not to get married and sacrifice relationships and your health. So I just had to get on my soapbox. I've heard this conversation a lot and people have, they feel like they have bragging rights because they've worked themselves sick and unhappy, by the way sick and unhappy, so they should be promoted. But what happens is no one wants to promote you because you're sick and unhappy. You're, nobody wants to be around you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll say this. So, you know, the takeaways from this, right, are if you're an employer, do better. Ask your employees, take a, a, a poll, you know, not one of those long, drawn-out employee surveys that nobody does anything with, but just <laughs> walk around, ask some folks how they're doing. Observe. Observe what people are doing. Do all of your employees eat at their desk or do they go out to lunch? That's a good one. You know, are they taking sick days? Go look at the, um, you can go look on the back end of your timesheets and go see how much uh, vacation do people have? If there's a lot of vacation and sick in the bank, you have a problem in your organization and you need to do something about it. And then if you're an employee, right, the takeaway is that it's okay to take a sick day. You're not going to be fired for taking a sick day. You're um, not going to be ostracized for taking a sick day. And if you work in an environment where it is difficult to take a sick day because of scheduling, because of the way that the business is run, um, you know, you've got to build that trust with your manager so that when you do ask for a sick day, they know you're not messing around. You really are sick and you really need to do it. And you're not going to be seen as, as a slacker. So... Those would be my two takeaways for both sides of this conversation. I don't know about you ladies. I don't yeah, know. I'm going to go way out as I always do every now and then and play devil's advocate. I think every now and then you can be a slacker. To think that we're performing at 110% 365 days a year is unrealistic to me. And I would tell as an HR person, I would tell you, Stacey and Lisa, go be a slacker. Please, why are you doing so much? What, who asked you to do that? Like, I've had so many conversations. Who asked you? And Lisa, I've heard you talk about this a little bit. No one asked you to take on five projects. 
You were only responsible for two. If you did three, that would have been a superstar. But now you're taking on five and now you're sick. Go be a slacker for a week. Be a slacker. So that's all I would say. It, it, it reminds me of the no conversation, right? You know, all the ways that we can say no, being willing to say no. Um, in a positive way, try to do it in a positive way, but n- know your threshold and know what's motivating you, uh, what your internal story is about why you're saying yes, right? And, you know, if it doesn't correlate with what you truly value and your, you know, sense of integrity, your wholeness, um, you really need to take a look. You really need to wonder why. Um, you know, and there are a lot of cultural reasons why we've been built that way. Mm -hmm. Once you flip the awareness on and realize, oh, I'm about to say yes again. Mm -hmm. Let me pause here for a minute before I say anything and change yourself. So maybe what we need to do is we will we'll ask all the listeners who've been afraid to take a sick day, you can take this podcast, send a link to your manager and then call out sick. <laughs> That's a great idea. We can have the great sick out. Hashtag sick out. <laughs> okay, so once again, this is Thile, Lisa and I, sharing our learning and experiences with you. And we hope that if you like today's discussion, that you'll like us, share us, and listen in next time. You have been listening to Inclusionomics with Lisa Gates, Thelay Thatch, and Stacey Gordon. Visit inclusionomics.net to subscribe and download.